Good morning, everyone. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Got sort of a light podcast for you today. No interviews here, but I've got a few things on my mind, so why not share them? First off, let's start off with the day's top news this morning. Uh, I have a VIP post up today about Elizabeth Warren's declaration yesterday that Jerome Powell is going to single-handedly cause a recession and that she prefers high prices and a strong economy to higher Fed interest rates and a recession. And I'm left wondering, what strong economy is she talking about? Because we've had two straight quarters of economic contraction. Now, you can excuse the Q1 contraction a bit on a uh, very imbalanced trade imbalance, you know, a very negative trade imbalance. Uh, and you can you can say, well, the other the other metrics in that report were strong and just got overwhelmed by this oddball trade imbalance. You can't say that about Q2 because the oddball trade imbalance in Q2 was a positive trade imbalance, which is unusual in itself, and especially at the amplitude it was in Q2. The Wall Street Journal uh, estimated that it add 1.4 points to GDP in Q2, and it was still minus 0.6% in the uh, interim report that was just released last week. So this is two straight quarters of contraction. You've got five straight quarters of real personal disposable income contracting, and that is a compounding effect because it contracts from the previous quarter. So it is a progression that gets worse. It keeps compounding over time. The more negative numbers you have in a row, the more it's compounding. And so what you've got is this massive erosion of buying power, which Elizabeth Warren is saying is a strong economy. And that may be for people at the top of the ladder, people who are making $400,000 for delivering two lectures at Harvard um, and people who are in the United States Senate, but it's not for most American households. And it's certainly not for um, people who don't live inside the Beltway. And so the idea that Jerome Powell is going to cause a recession, first off, sort of begs the question of whether or not we're actually in a recession already, but on top of which is it puts the blame on the person who's trying to actually solve the problem. The problem is created by the massive spending that has been going on over the last several years, but especially in the last couple of years, and especially under Joe Biden. The American Rescue Plan spent $1.9 trillion on stimulus that was completely unnecessary in an attempt to buy votes. And they they brushed off all the warnings that this was gonna cause inflation, especially with the supply chain crisis, which Warren now cites as well, you know, it's a, supply, it's a supply chain crisis. Well, that's, if you have a supply chain crisis, you don't introduce stimulus. I mean, that should be a fairly basic economic um, uh, imperative is that you don't want to stimulate demand when you don't have supply because what happens, you get inflation. <laughs> and so, But Democrats did that. Biden did that. Democrats did that. And now Biden wants to spend a trillion dollars on student debt out of nowhere <laughs> in order, as Elizabeth Warren tried to explain last week, in order to stimulate the economy. She argued that this was trickle-down economics and this debt forgiveness would get people to spend money. The problem is that we already have too much demand, not enough supply. What you need is supply-side economics here to incentivize production so that you can meet the demand and lower prices. Well, Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren are not 
providing supply-side economics. And so J Jerome Powell really has no choice but to use monetary policy in order to curtail inflation because inflation is stagnating the economy. It's already putting economic growth um, in the negative and it's going to get worse, not better. <laughs> and Elizabeth Warren wants to shift the blame to that. I, I mean, I, obviously I'm very passionate about this, right? And, and you're hearing this, but it is so frustrating to have a, a policymaker get on CNN State of the Union and flat out lie about the status of the economy when that data is readily available. Two quarters of contraction is a recession. And even if you don't want to go by that definition, it's at the very least stagflation because we're not growing and inflation's going up. It is the classic definition of stagflation. No growth, high inflation. That's stagflation. That is a very bad economic situation to be in. And Jerome Powell's trying to fix that because Washington won't. They keep trying to make the situation worse, which is exactly what this uh, academia bailout of Joe Biden's will do, if it, in fact, takes place. Um, I have also a, a, a post up this morning about the academia bailout, CNN saying this doesn't actually even touch the real problem, which is skyrocketing tuition costs. And that's good to see CNN bringing this up because it's true. And it's a good thing to bring up. What Alison Morrow doesn't talk about is why tuition costs are skyrocketing. And it's because we keep providing huge incentives, spending massive money, getting students to take on debt, which is a big wealth transfer to the colleges and universities. And we're not doing anything to stop that. That's the actual problem. If, if we have to bail out thousands of Harvard graduates because their college education wasn't worth enough to pay off the student debt that they took on to get it, that program is a failure and it needs to end. And that's flat out what they're trying to avoid uh, admitting with this bailout, with this student loan forgiveness thing. They're trying to focus on the issue of student loans. No, the issue is why we have that kind of massive uh, debt load on students in the first place. And it's because these Loan programs encourage bad uh, investment. It's a bad investment. At Tuitions at this level make college a bad investment for most students, but the federal government will not, will not admit that because it allows, uh, it allows schools to indoctrinate students in progressive economics, progressive cultural values, and they want to keep that gravy train running. And right now they're in charge, and that's what they're trying to do. And they're trying to avoid everybody looking at this and drawing the obvious conclusion that the federal loan program is the actual problem here. And it needs to come to an end. So focusing on that, there's also a mass shooting in Oregon. Uh, you know, it, two people died and the shooter was killed. We're still not quite clear whether he killed himself. Uh, police say they didn't fire any shots. So if he didn't kill himself, uh, it may have been a situation where there was an armed um you know, a, a, an armed citizen in the store who, who ended it. But so far, you would expect that person to, to have come out and, and, and mentioned that. We don't know a lot of details on this. So it's good not to jump to conclusions about this. However, the reason why this may matter more than, than just the obvious reasons it matters is because Oregon has a ballot initiative that has qualified for the midterm election cycle. So it'll be on the, it'll be on the ballot in November that is going to impose a, a fairly severe form of gun control if it passes, some of which may not be constitutional, some of which may be challengeable in courts, some of which may not be challengeable in courts, which may actually pass muster. 
And uh, I think that the circumstances of this shooting is, is going to play a role in, in determining, A, how successful that referendum is, and B, how much it's going to change the turnout model in Oregon. Republicans were starting to get a little um, optimistic about Oregon, the gubernatorial election, because it's actually going to be a three-way race between two Democrats and a Republican. And they're hopeful that the two Democrats, one of the Democrats is running as an independent and who just turned independent in order to run for governor. And both of whom are basically longtime Democratic establishment figures in Oregon. And they're kind of hoping that the, the vote will split there. And uh, it's sort of like a almost like a Jesse Ventura 1998 scenario where you've got three candidates and the vote splits narrowly and the dark horse candidate ends up on top. Well, Republicans are hoping for that. But if the shooting turns out to be something that incentivizes uh, progressive turnout in Oregon, that may not be the case. So it's worth keeping an eye on for a number of different reasons, not the least of which is to determine what the, who the shooter was, what his motivations might have been, and whether or not uh, law enforcement uh, should have been able to intervene with this person prior to doing the shooting, which is what we usually determine, such as in Uvalde and Parkland and other such shootings. Uh, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet, so we have to be careful about jumping to conclusions. We just need to keep an eye on the situation. So I have that up there. Um, Jazz has a great post about uh, CNN trying to be less of a Democratic mouthpiece, which is actually a really fun post. If you, have a, if you haven't seen it yet, it's getting a lot of traffic. If you haven't seen it, you, should, you, really, you really should read this. Um, and uh, all Pundit's working on um, a, a post uh, regarding uh, the Ukrainian counteroffensive near Kherson. Uh, in, in in southern southeastern Ukraine, which looks like it's um, the beginning of the the serious counteroffensive against the Russians in uh, Donbas, Luhansk, Donetsk. Um, so that's worth keeping an eye on as well. And there's more coming up. Karen's got some posts. Karen's working full time for us now. Karen Townsend, member of the staff now, and uh, she's uh, she's going to be doing a full slate of posts now every single day. And uh, because we're, we're shifting around some um, uh, vacation and appointment times this week, her, her stuff will probably come up in the afternoon. But you're going to see more of her in the mornings uh, starting next week. And so keep an eye out for that. It's going to be a, we're going to have a lot of great content coming up. Many things to announce at Hot Air. But uh, for, for the moment, uh, just uh, know that she's part of the team. And we're working on adding even more members to the team in various different forms. And so we're going to have a lot of fun th stuff um, uh, coming up. One thing I want to I would talk about today, though, and Ben Shapiro is the one who brought this up on Twitter, and I, I think it's really worth pursuing. And I might I might end up writing a post about this after I get done with the uh, podcast today. And in, in lieu of a uh, you know an interview, which I don't have uh, I don't have a, a new interview today for you. So rather than do a rerun, I thought I'd just go into this a little bit. Now I just want to talk a little bit about what Ben Shapiro has to say. Uh, he's talking about the perception that Republicans are losing steam in the midterm cycle. And you're seeing some of this, uh, some of it may be due to the Dobbs decision. Some of it may be due to the, um, just the the summer, right? Just disconnections and maybe, the, maybe that perception goes away after Labor Day, uh, which I think is probably more likely. Stephen Cruiser, I'm gonna talk about what Stephen Cruiser has to say about this too. But Ben Shapiro makes a really good point. Even if it's not necessarily the case that Republicans are losing steam, the problem is that they are focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on the raid on Mar-a-Lago, understandably, because it's very recent. They're focusing on, you know, Donald Trump, understandably, again, because of the Mar-a-Lago raid. But the problem is, is that it's taking their eyes off the prize. 
It's the economy, stupid, James Carville said 30 years ago. And that's still correct today, even more so today. And Republicans have, have started talking about all these other things and have sort of let the economy go. And I think maybe Biden's academia bailout may have uh, corrected that somewhat because they're starting to talk about how this is going to impact inflation again. But there was really this sort of loss of focus over the last few weeks on inflation, I think in part because the inflation numbers for July were a little less than uh, expected because of a, the, the drop in gas prices. But inflation's still high. It's still very high. It's still near 40-year highs. And since gas prices are not declining anymore, they're going to go back up because food prices are going through the roof. Uh, other prices are going through the roof. PPI, the producer price index, which is an indication of where inflation is going to land later, is still going through the roof. So his... his um, I'm going to read a couple of his tweets here. It says, the GOP is miscalibrating the very nature of American political science right now based on a myth. In fact, the entirety of American politics is based on dueling versions of the same false mythology, the mythology of the emerging Democratic minority majority. Uh, Democrats have banked on this myth since 2012. And in fact, I wrote about that in my book, you know, Going Red, um, <laughs> about the myth of the, uh, the, demographic, the demographic bomb right, in politics, in American politics, uh, believing that it excuses the cultural and economic excesses. This is untrue. This is Democrats. This is untrue and has led them into an electoral box canyon as many minorities run, turn away from their woke progressive overreach. Meanwhile, Republicans have also banked on this myth to the extent that they believe that only a magical person like Donald Trump can defeat it. Uh, that means when Trump is attacked, Republicans immediately return to making him the centerpiece of the conversation, and this harms them electorally, as every poll is now showing. Two things can be true at once. First, the FBI raid on Trump looks like a political hit. Second, the more Republicans talk about Trump, the worse they do electorally. Americans vote against things, not for them. If Republicans want Americans to vote against Biden, they have to campaign against him, not against the FBI or the deep state or whether Trump had the right to have boxes of classified documents in his closet. There is a reason Democrats are eager to keep Trump at the center of the conversation. Half of independents say that Trump is a major factor in their vote, and they're breaking four to one for Democrats. Republicans shouldn't play into that game. If they do, they're cruising for a bruising. I, I mean, this is this is almost obvious. It's almost so obvious that it really shouldn't be uh, necessary to vocalize it. This is about the economy. This election has to be about the economy. The economy is hammering Americans up and down, almost all the way up and down the economic ladder, except at the very top, which is where the academics and you know progressives in Washington live. And they're talking about incredible transitions, like Elizabeth Warren is talking about strong economy, right? I mean, it's these are it's nonsense. And Americans know it's nonsense. But if you're talking about the FBI and you're talking about the raid on Mar-a-Lago, you are losing some of those people who are looking at that and saying, we need somebody in there who can actually deal with the realities of the American economy as it is. And, and I think Ben's right about this, and I want to write a post about this, probably just a rant, maybe a 500-word rant about this, uh, just springboarding off of what Ben Shapiro had to say. Um, ben Shapiro, of course, is the, the Daily Wire, dailywire.com. Uh, and, um, and, you know, I, I follow Ben because he's a pretty smart guy. <laughs> and this is an example of why. Uh, now, Stephen Cruiser... Uh, has a uh, briefing this morning over at uh, the VIP, uh, I think, is it? it? No, it's not VIP. It's in the clear. So you should go over to pjmedia.com to read this. 
Um, and it's the top of the briefing, and he's, he says he's feeling a bit contrarian this morning. The Democratic propagandists and the mainstream media have been positively aglow with optimism in recent weeks, gushing about Biden's presidency being completely transformed and rescued from the gutter. The fantastical storytelling bears no resemblance to reality, of course, but that never gets in the way of the Kool-Aid kids. Um, the McConnell-friendly wing of the GOP has only recently gone full Eeyore on the prospects of the Senate flipping. Frequent readers of mine know that I've been a killjoy about that all year long. Um... But another popular refrain is that the expected red wave in November has pretty much been canceled. Early in the summer, polling showed that Republicans were on their way to a romp. We all know how flawed polling can be, however, especially that far removed from Election Day. Um, so um, that is um, uh, that is where he's at. But he is also arguing that a lot of this so-called democratic optimism is really just the media narrative of Joe Biden's comeback kid um, arc here. Which, actually, the academia bailout may have ended anyway, um, because even though polls show that it's popular in theory, <laughs> when it gets applied in practice, I think that the uh, I think that those are going to change, especially as people understand, A, how much money is going to have to be spent, and B, you know, who benefits. And it's not really the students, it's academia that benefits. So uh, there are reasons to, to question that media narrative anyway. But to the extent that it may be true, to the extent that Republicans are starting to uh, lose some of that uh, ground that they had gained all year long, really for the past year, ever since the um, debacle in Afghanistan, I think it's because they're losing focus on on the key issue here. The key issue is not going to be the FBI. The key issue is not going to be the raid on Mar-a-Lago. The FBI and the raid on Mar-a-Lago do not impact the daily lived experience of Americans. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not worthy of criticism. doesn't mean that the FBI is not worthy of criticism. I'm not arguing the Mike, Mike Pence position here, which is that, well, we're law and order Republicans. We really shouldn't be criticizing the FBI, which is just nonsense. Um, it's a government agency and it has to be held accountable for abuses. And it's not just the mar raid on Mar-a-Lago. You know, we talked with Eric Bame about this from Reason Magazine about Another raid that turned out to be a massive abuse by the FBI, where they materially misrepresented their intentions to a federal magistrate, got a warrant under false pretenses, tried to seize, um, tried to seize massive amounts of uh, assets that didn't, that were not criminal in nature and didn't belong to the criminals in question, and uh, and got caught with their hands in the cookie jar. You have to speak up against that. But I think to Matt, I think I, excuse me, to Ben's point here. Ben's exactly right. Ben is exactly right on this. We have to start getting back our focus on the economy, especially inflation, especially the profligate spending that started it. Tie that to Biden around his neck, like a millstone, or, and around the, the neck of Democrats. And we have to be sharply focused on that. And to the extent that we're talking about anything else in the midterms, and again, the Labor Day is really Labor Day weekend is really a kickoff to this. After this is when you start seeing the focused messaging. To the extent we're talking about anything other than inflation, it should be crime, because that's the other daily lived experience of Americans. And so, if we want to compete in this election cycle, to to actually win a midterm election, to actually have a substantial majority in the House and hopefully take control of the Senate as well, we have to talk about what Americans want to hear about. And that means talking about inflation, talking about the economy, talking about the um, the um, the crime that is sweeping through communities all across the nation and the lawlessness that's sweeping across communities all across this nation. 
I mean, I can tell you just from personal conversations with friends, it's one of the first things that people talk about, high prices and crime. And if we're not talking about those things, voters are going to stop listening. So we need to be focused on that. We need to be focused on uh, the way that uh, Joe Biden and his team are mismanaging this economy, how they're mismanaging um, law enforcement, and remain focused like a laser on those issues uh, in order to compete well in these midterm elections. And I think we're going to get to that point because I think Joe Biden, I think Joe Biden's economic moves are going to make matters so much more, so much worse that it's going to be unavoidable. Anyway, stay tuned for a quick message on how you can subscribe to this and how you can subscribe to the VIP and VIP Gold sections at hotair.com. And just a little teaser, you're going you're gonna to want to do it sooner or later, so why not do it sooner? Thanks for listening, and don't miss a minute of The Ed Morrissey Show. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support the Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.